This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yak Gadget. For all your kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighting. Go to pelican.com. The 153 Bait Company. For all your hard and soft bait needs, go to the153anglers.com. Now let's get this show started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Real Down. Uh, me solo hosting again, but again with me this week for part two of last week's episode, Mr. Jordan Marshall. What's up, brother? What's up? How you doing? Man, I'm doing. I have been running around this last hour or two, but I am finally here, calm and collected, kind of ready to to get into the TSC itself. I was kind of bummed that we didn't get to talk about that. It was a great show. Uh, we For anybody that hadn't listened to it, go back and listen to it. We talk about uh, him winning the AOI with Hobie on top of a few other things and get kind of in detail with it. I've had a lot of good feedback about that show too, man. A yeah. lot of people. I got quite a few, quite a few messages, even all the way up until today. People saying that they uh, were catching up on the show and were asking me questions and, and things like that. So that's uh, so always good to have positive feedback. That's right. I'll take any of it, but I, I definitely I prefer the positive. But uh, yeah, so what we wanted to do was just get into the TOC itself. Um, it was out on uh, Lake Eufaula. For anybody that doesn't know, that's south southeast Alabama, southwest Georgia. It's uh, it's on down there. It's known as the uh, big bass capital of the world, country, something like that. I know they got a yeah, sign down there somewhere. Giant sign and a giant bass. It says that. Uh, um, my my two trips to you follow were were not super big bass filled, which is a okay. I mean, uh, <laughs> it, it it works out in the end, but uh, 
you know, you expect places to be like in Texas that say that, or maybe Seminole or, or something like that. I, um, I didn't get the whole, um, but by no means am I bashing you followed by any means. I, I did enjoy both trips there this, this year, but, uh, it, it didn't strike me as a, you know, big bass capital of the world kind of place, but I, I think they've claimed laid claim to that for, for quite some time. So, so kudos to them for marketing themselves that way. Well, one, one big thing, cause I've been catching up on, uh, a lot of like, like you see back here, the MLF stuff and a yeah. bunch of ter- uh, tournaments I missed on. And Ufala has actually killed off a lot of the grass. So, you know, I would say probably three years, two, three years ago. I mean, even 2020 when MLF was at Ufala in the spring, it was. There were giant fish everywhere, but the grass hadn't fully like disappeared. But I know talking to some of like your, your buddies and stuff and like people like Adam Reiser, like, Grass was hard to come by down there if you could find any, uh, any well, real healthy anything. But uh, yeah, it was it was a really weird. Um, by no means am I a grass expert. I like to consider myself a, a rock expert. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the the grass was really weird down there. Um, I think there was little patches. I mean, they were, I was expecting by looking at Google and Apple Maps. Um, you expect to go down there and see a lot of lily pads um, just looking at aerial view. And there were very, very, very few lily pads. And if you found lily pads, there were just 10, eight, eight to 12, 10 small patches. So. Yeah. Very, very small patches. They were spread out and <coughs> excuse me. And, uh, and they really weren't productive in practice or during the tournament. Um, but what there was an unbelievable amount of is what a lot of people were calling bank grass. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't exactly know um, what the quote-unquote correct name for that is, but it's you know it would grow right on the shore or in less than a foot of water, and it's you know maybe a foot tall. A lot of it was bright green, um, and it would show up a lot of those places where there were lily pads on, or what I thought would be lily pads on the maps. And there were like these really, really, really flick, thick floating mats that would come out, you know, 10 to 20 feet off the bank. And you, I couldn't punch anything through it. Um, I, I was just about to ask that if it was that kind of like nasty thick that you can't do anything it, with. It, was, it looked like ground. I mean, you, it looked like you could walk on it. I mean, I, <laughs> I tried to pop a pop a two ounce weight through it at one point when I was just piddling around and not knowing any better because I'm no puncher. Um, and, and it couldn't get through it. And I was like, man, that's, that's wild. And, you know, like we talked the other day, I was like, I don't, I don't keep a depth finder on the kayak. So I went up to the edge of it and stuck my rod in the water and it's about six, seven foot deep. And I, I was confused. Um, uh, it, you know, we don't, we don't get grass that has seven foot of depth under it. And it's so thick. It looks like you can walk, <laughs> you could on, it walk on it. Yeah. I just got away from that. I was like, this, this is above my pay grade. And, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm going to get away from this. I, I, I do like fishing reeds. Um, I fish a lot of reeds on Seminole when I'm there. You know, we've, we've done that the last couple of years for Hobie. I like fishing the reeds at Seminole. Um, and I tried to fish some reeds. Uh, it, you follow as well. Um, in the spring when I was there, when I actually found out uh, TOC was at you fall this year, and I'd never been to Ufall before. And when the, in the spring when I was there for the Bassmaster, I went down there to, you know, kind of pre-fish, you know, with expectations I would I would qualify for TOC. And I basically looked around, saw 
reeds, saw that thick grass, saw grass I didn't recognize. Um, the <laughs> that always me when I, I see a vegetation I don't know. Yeah, I'm just I'm, like, oh no, <laughs> I don't know what to do here. And and I'm not, you know, I don't spend a whole whole lot of time uh, pre-fishing. I had you know one day basically for Ufala, and when I realized that people were like, oh yeah, it's offshore offshore brush or whatever else they mentioned um i went way 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 up river away from the grass to look like something that i fished and i think you know quite a few people would have probably fished if the toc boundaries allowed it was i basically fished uh in columbus basically as far as you can take a kayak um up up river to that giant busted up dam mm-hmm. and, and I, I i caught some spots i mean i caught a bunch of spots i mean it was 16 inch fish for days and they ate everything um top water spinnerbait jackhammer i think everything i threw that day i caught i caught fish and Jeez. you know in the spring at ufala i kind of realized that was not going to be a winning pattern um so i just kind of kept it in my back pocket and was like man in the fall when we go there for toc you know i might get beat a day or two from big bags off offshore brush or whatever down south but i feel like i can very easily come up here and throw up 80 inches of spots a day and lean on them pretty hard and cull through no problem and then i saw the toc boundaries and was like son of a gun i mean from <laughs> I, I didn't i mean i spent a couple days on you fall in the spring and i fished from river bend up and you know I, I mean, that was no, I mean, not even close whenever the TOC boundaries came out. So I kind of had to, you know, throw everything out the window, forget about spotted bass and things like that. And really, really grind um, during the TOC, both practice and the tournament. Would you say just because of what you just said, you know, having to like throw away, you know, basically your history with it, you know, I yeah. mean, not all of it, obviously, but something that you had a little bit, at least like, like we always talk about with a multi-day tournament, I mean, if you can get in the consistent 80s each day, you might, I mean, at least hold yourself in contention to where maybe on that final day you can make a big, you know, a big, big calls and a big push. Yeah. But when when that happens and knowing you had a limited amount of pre-fishing time, was it a lot of like head down grinding like physically during the tournament or were you hitting a lot of maps you know, trying to find that thing that you missed that, like you said, you're not an electronics guy. So I know you're not looking at, you know, like offshore points and humps and stuff. You're looking for, you know, certain types of structure or subtlety, secondary points, creeks coming in, stuff like that. So was it a lot of grinding, like mostly casting or was there a lot of like um, a lot mental of my preparing? practice is, is looking Um, it's driving, it's, um, putting in, pedaling around, looking at things. Um, uh, I feel like a lot of the fish that I catch, um, will more than likely eat what I throw at them. Um, I think the best way I could explain that, if that doesn't make sense is, um, you hear a lot on professional things. 80% 80% of the fish are in 20% of the water. Um, I like to think that there's that, that that's very, very true. And that's how you win a lot of really big, especially single day tournaments. Um, mm-hmm. 
and then there's probably 10% of the fish and 80% of the water or, or, or however, however the dynamic, you know, I think there's a sweet spot of a lot of fit, a lot of fish in a small amount of area, 80, 20. And then there's going to be, um, you know, 10% of the fish and 70% of the water and 10% of the fish are in 10% of the water and they're actively eating. They're right. not schooled up or anything else. And now that I got my mask squared away, um, <laughs> But, I was going to help you out, but you got it. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to go after the fish that people are forgetting about, essentially, and just go after the actively feeding fish. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not going to go find a mega school anywhere. Um, I, I, I have no desire to go fish offshore. I mean, I've done it. I've had debt finder in the past. I, I, just, I just don't like it. Um, I, I think a lot of the times when you're casting at those fish, they're going to eat more more lot more consistently and you know it's less of a puzzle to try to figure out what they're eating i mean if you go out there on an offshore fish and you could throw 15 things at them and on the 16th thing they're liable to you know eat it every single cast right uh, I, I just assume cover water look for feeding fish that you can basically get a reaction bite from and well, and that's really fishing instinct too, which yeah, f- f- I, I would agree with. Like I run electronics, but just because it's something I don't know that I'm trying to learn, mm-hmm. but I could definitely like be on your side of this, the argument, you know, when you're fishing the instinct and stuff like that, you've got your head more dialed in on that than paying attention to the graph, how they react and all this other extra stuff you're trying, like that you're adding to your puzzle already you know now some people look at it as like we talked about a couple of weeks ago with like live scope and stuff where you can throw a bait in front of it see how it reacts to it pull it up throw a different bait be like oh he liked that one i'll take him you know but i don't know i feel like it honestly if you're dialed in like you're talking about you know when you're that focused on it I, i feel like you could have just that little bit of an edge one way or another, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to explain because people may that are like electronics dependent might not understand, but I don't know. I just feel like it keeps you more because you're paying attention way more to what you're feeling, you know? Okay. They bit like that. What's similar to this? Not, Oh, there's a school there. They should all do it. You're like, okay, I have to replicate that cast or that scenario. I think a lot of it is knowing seasonal patterns. Um, I'm a very, you know, I, I go by feel a lot, just covering water and things like that and trying to keep it really simple. But um, I, I really read a lot of books and I, I, I watched a lot of stuff, Bass University. I've, wa- I've watched all that stuff. So I feel like even though I don't take a technical approach when I'm on the water, I take a very technical approach when I'm off the water, kind of looking at maps, you know, putting um, smart game plans together before I get there. And then when I get there, and, and, and a lot of guys know this, that I fish with me and against me, I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. So either things are going to work out and then I'm going to build off them and it's going to be a great day or I'm going to spend my day spinning out because the fish are in transition and I can't seem to put together whatever patterns happening. So I like to think, you know, one fish does me a lot of good 
uh, two, one fish does me good. Two fish do me a lot of good. Three fish, it's, it's game over. I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, right. And and a lot of that's knowing, reading a lot of um, information to know seasonal patterns, to know what's going on before you ever get there. And then if you can get there, show up, catch a few fish, and it's doing what you want them or expect them to be doing, it, it's it's nothing more than just plugging and playing it's finding similar areas it's you know catching some fish and i can be sitting on the water and just look at my phone and not even have to worry about what the depth is because a lot of these places i mean you can look at a creek and know the depth is pretty much similar in every creek you go to especially mm-hmm. if you start looking at topographical maps which your everybody's phone has and you pretty much know hey it's probably going to be deeper over here because the topographical map says that or just looking at the lay of the land as you go by it right um, but a lot of it's just finding places that are overlooked. Um, and and I, 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 by all means, think flushing out, you mentioned history, flushing out the history of a lake is a good thing sometimes. Um, we had a tournament this year on Melton Hill in Knoxville. And Melton Hill is a very, very tough fishery. Um, I've won a couple tournaments on Melton Hill. And in the last couple of years, I really struggled. And I couldn't quite figure out why. And I think I was just essentially fishing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting those fish to be there because the tournament was the same time of year. So I literally took off work one day and drove around and even told the guys that I was fishing against. I said, look, I said, I'm approaching this thing like a brand new lake because it seems like I approach new lakes a lot more consistently than I do some of the home lakes because I get things stuck in my head of what I'm going to do, or you hear what other guys are doing at the tackle shop and you try to catch other people's fish and that doesn't work. Um, and I, I, I fished Melton Hill for a while, you know, quite a few years since I've been kite fishing, fishing tournaments, whatever else. And then that tournament this year, I actually put in somewhere I never put in before. Didn't even know existed. I fished in a bass boat and the Creek that I put in never even knew there was a slide there and basically pulled off that road that I had found the day before the tournament, slid in there, caught some fish, and absolutely freaking wrecked them. <laughs> Just you know, over- overlooked places. Right. And I'm, that's something I've, I've realized uh, last year uh, heavily for me was, you know, you, you try and preach about not fishing history. You know, there are certain situations where, you know, the way I'd put it for like new – new anglers that would be maybe listening to this or learning from that is it doesn't mean throw away everything you know about it, but just because you wrecked them doing this exact thing, even on that same day, the year before, doesn't mean anything, you know, sure. Go try, but definitely don't lean on it that heavy. And unless it's working, uh, I'm real bad about that. Like one of my favorite places on Gunnersville is, I mean, I had quite a few trips there that were just fantastic. And I tend to always, when we hit Gunners, well, I'm like, man, that's where I'm going. And it's been crap the last two years. Yeah. And I'll even catch myself going when there's not a tournament trying to like make it my honey hole again. And it's just yeah. not happening. And then I finally like where I camp, I never put in. And last year I was like, I'm just going to put the slide in right here. I paddled like a hundred foot in front of our camper and caught a six. And then oh, I, really? caught a six i caught a four i lost one bigger than the six and was like oh okay well maybe i should consider this from now on you know it's just yeah just get outside of what you're you know you normally go to but uh so getting you know we getting through the 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 fishing and the preparation 
you, how far out of AOI were you going into it? Do you remember? I was, I was in eighth place. Eighth. Um, I thought it was eighth. I know the exact points. Um, I think I was somewhere in the, um, 270 ish range. I was about 28 points out. I think best, best, Mm -hmm. best recollection. Cause I think it was like Drew and them, Drew and Ewing were in the like two nineties, weren't they? Yeah, they were, um, five guys. Um, first through fifth was really, was, was tight. Ewing had a couple point lead over them, but they were all within, um, they were all in the two nineties. I think the top five. Okay. And then they so, was kind of set down, and then six through tenth were all very close. Okay, so you know, coming into this, uh, you know, pre fishing set aside, was what was your mentality? Were is it you know I've got a real shot at AOI, or was it like you said you're an all or nothing guy? Was your main focus like okay I want to win this freaking thing? I mean, obviously you want to win, but was you going into it? Was it a two-way thing? Like, I would like to get, do both, or did you like have a hard set focus on one specific goal? Um, my goal going into it was to catch. Going into the tournament was to catch fifteen fish and finish in the top three of AOI and qualify for Worlds again. Um, the year before, it, it, it home when when TOC was in Knoxville was win or everything else was, was, was not good enough. <laughs> um, and that, that's an absolute, if anybody's wondering, I don't care if it's your home waters or not, that is an absolutely terrible um, mental state to be put in because on day two of TOC last year, I had a great bag, but I knew I lost and I snapped a rod and threw it in the water real and all. I mean, had a good bag and knew I was but not good enough, probably in the top three, <laughs> but I mean, it was, and it's a tough mental. It's a tough place to place to put yourself mentally, and it's really a tough place to to stay because even winning ten grand last year, I was pissed off for I mean for days. Um, and and don't get me wrong, Lambert Lambert's my boy. I'm I'm glad Lambert won. Um, if if I didn't win, obviously, but that's a terrible, terrible place to be. And that's, you're not going to be, you're, you're not going to be fishing very long if it's win or bust. And I knew going into this year, I couldn't do that to myself. And, and my goal was literally 15 fish top three in angler of the year. And, you know, just, just try to stay. Um, it's just calm and steady as possible. And I realized that because um, I had a really good outlook for you, Fala, um, and probably would have been a lot more confident until they until the boundaries came out. And once the boundaries came out, I was like, okay, I can't go in the back of these creeks. I can't go up at Columbus where I wanted to go. I couldn't fish River Bend, and the only spot that I'd fish that was, you know, you follow like. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm just going to go down here and, and wing it and everybody was saying how tough it was. It's just, you know, I, I think just being relaxed helps me as much as anything because I don't get caught up in, you know, forcing myself to rush things. And that's, I mean, that's a, a, a really good piece of advice uh, because the head game's the 
probably the for, for me at least, and it, we talk about it a lot on our on paddle and fin. The head game is probably more important than the fishing. I mean, yeah, you got to go out and catch the fish and have the skill, but man, you can you can get yourself out of it quickly. I mean, bad attitude or, you know, like, like not being happy with how you're doing it yourself. Some people are, I'm, I'm really hard on myself, you know, like you can 100% take yourself out of it before you even get into it. And I could see where it would be a tough game. I mean, like talking with Drew and, you know, like we talked about it off camera, uh, like how we like to fish, you know, that would have thrown a huge curveball to me, like. You know, it says a lot about your your skill and, you know, you saying your mindset, you know, seeing it, it kind of like, you know, taking their wind out of your sails and then, you know, figuring out, OK, I'm going to wing it. I'm going to I'm just going to do this and, you know, kind of put your head down and grind. And I mean, it, it worked. Uh, I mean, you secured the, the AOI and second. I mean, were, were you mad at yourself that? that she snuck around, that Christine snuck around you, or was it the AOI was just like, no, nah, this is cool, this is good enough? <laughs> yeah, it was, um, by all means, I thought, I mean, com- complete honesty, when I, when I caught that 20 at 2.00 and 14 seconds was the picture I submitted. Um, I was making phone calls on my four-mile trek back from where I caught that fish to a boat ramp where um, somebody picked me up or Matt Miller picked me up. And that four miles, there was a lot of phone calls, and most of them involved um, excited four-letter words. And um, I I did it. I finally did it. I finally won a Hobie. Um, And and, and AOI was, was the bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, not, not, I, I've never won a Hobie. I've led a Hobie on two different occasions and, um, it's, it's very, very frustrating, um, to be leading after day one and, and not finish any better than, than sixth or eighth or, or whatever, both times I've, I've finished. It's not been any better than sixth or eighth. Um, the, the, the four miles back was probably the longest I've ever been that excited because I caught the biggest fish that I'd caught there the whole week. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest fish I'd caught in two months because, um, we just, just randomly wherever we were going locally was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was struggling. Um, I, I won a local tournament with like, 48 inches on three fish or something like that. Uh, just, uh, just a few, few weeks Grinder. before. And it's, you know, it's it, that fish might've, might as well have been 24, 25 inches when, when I, when I got it in the boat, because I mean, it, it seemed like that fish was worth an AOY in first place, which by all means would have been more money than I make um, doing that and standing out in the street all day than I make in a whole year. <laughs> and I thought in the snap of fingers, you know, I had all that coming to me and, um, I get along with Christine. Uh, Christine's a great angler. I've by no means nothing against Christine. I even, uh, text her after the, the KBN, um, podcast and I was like, Hey, you know, I hope none of that that I said came across the wrong way because I'm, I'm glad you won. But up until they said her name or my name for second, 
I, I won, I won. And there was nobody telling me any different. And that's the first time I've ever felt like I had gotten over that hump to win a Hobie. And mm-hmm. from that four mile pedal back to loading up to driving 85 miles in a 45 and God knows where Alabama and Georgia all the way back <laughs> to check in. I mean, I showed up and they said, all right, go take a lie detector test. And that guy's trying to put them little things on my hand and my hands were like this. And that guy's like, um, sir, before we get started, you are going to need to calm down. And I said, man, I said, I said, look, I'm pretty, I'm pretty <laughs> and and i just you know even even when it was just us two and i knew she had uh, a few inches on me from the day before i think she was in third or fourth going into the last day i mean up until they they said my name it it was that was that was my money that was my trophy i i'd sweeped it i had all my boys there you know they were hyping me up and and um I just, you know, that, that's one of those things I wouldn't trade it for anything because when the, when the time comes and, and like I said, even podcast, or whatever, when the time comes and it's going to come when I win a Hobie, there is no one that's going to appreciate that more than me because oh, yeah. from, from out the gate, um, from the first Hobie Bass open at Chickamauga where I led the first day, I mean, it's been that's that's the goal and there's and and there's nothing less than that goal that that matters i mean you 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 can ask people you know i've been in 20th going into the second day of hobie bass opens on kentucky lake and i'm figuring up the math and i'm like okay i'm in 20th i'm not gonna win i'm gonna go home and and you know you follow was very good for me to stay in that mindset going into it of, Hey, it's not about win or nothing. Um, and just being able to stay mellow the whole time. I've got a great fishing partner, Eric Thompson, that we've talked about a lot. Um, that I talk about all, all the time because he's a very mellow person and is always, you know, who says I'm not going to catch five fish on my last five casts of the day. Like, some people catch five fish on their first five casts of the day. And man, I, for the longest time, I, I've never been in that mindset, but, um, I, I needed that, that thought process on, on day two of you follow. Cause I had one fish at like 10 30 and day one, I was culling fish with inside of my truck at eight forty five nine o'clock and just such a, different day even though i knew it was going to be tougher i mean i came around the corner i caught three fish in probably five minutes and that's what saved day two to keep me alive and then i had to grind for number five because number five didn't come easy either Mm -hmm. a lot of that is you know nothing mentally stimulating and nothing in your mind happens in the snap of a finger when you're trying to grow yourself as a better angler or golfer or whatever else it might be, um, it's, it's, you've got to have a way to take your mind off the avalanche before it happens. Um, and I found listening to music 
when I'm starting to spin out is, is, is unbelievably healthy for me. Um, it, and it doesn't even matter what music, um, just, just kind of a distraction, just a distraction. I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll get to singing on the water and, and it's, it's one of them things I like singing. I'm not a great singer, but I, I enjoy it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, I, I like listening to a lot of good country music, a lot of Texas country music. And, um, but some days, you know, it, it gets, you know, you, you get to listen to some of those and it's like, all right, I, I'm going to switch it up. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll listen to, uh, uh, Bruno Mars because, uh, we got some friends that listen to Bruno Mars and we, we call it Big Fish Bruno Mars Radio. And <laughs> We, we've had instances where, you know, we put on some Bruno Mars we're on a float or something. We're jamming on a speaker and somebody catches a freaking donkey. And and a lot of people, you know, you hear it growing up. Oh, you can't make too much noise. You can't make too much noise. And um, I think a lot of that's just excuses, um, both mentally and physically, where um, you're, you're just making excuses for yourself or the fish or whatever it might be. And I think just being having music or whatever else that you need or having a conversation with your friends, um, anything to get you in that mental window that you have to have to be successful on, on anything, um, to keep yourself in that little area to where you're focused and you're also relaxed and to balance that, whether it's radio or whatever else, you know, who, who cares, you know, figure out what it is. Um, I like to take a couple, I used to never eat on the water at all. I used to barely as much as take a bottle of water with me. That's probably as much as being 19 and 20 and stupid as it is, uh, <laughs> as it is anything. But, you know, is I realize some things that'll help, um, making sandwiches the night before, um, being prepared just in general and, you know, going out um listen listen to music when you go on a long pedal which i tend to do always at some point or whether it's load my stuff up and change boat ramps you know having having some food to just eat and kind of just chill and you don't have to have anything crazy you know it's just you know something something simple i keep fig newtons in my truck 24 7 365 it does not matter. I almost always have a pack of Fig Newtons in my truck and the little mini packs. Because, man, I I swear I've had more days, whether it's work or fishing or whatever, saved by some Fig Newtons in my truck is is, is what should even be remotely sense, sensible. My, mine, uh, I, I, I'm the same way. Mine's the uh, toasted cheese peanut butter filled crackers. They're like yeah. orange crackers from the gas station. Yeah, I buy them by the case from Sam's Club, man. That's my, I don't know how many times, like you're saying, I'm like, okay, I just need to chill for a minute. I'll sit back, I'll eat two or three of them. And like, I know twice at the Bassmaster on Pickwick this year, because I was struggling, I had heat exhaustion. I had a cracker in my mouth and would hook a fish. Like, it just, I don't know, it just gives you something to think about. 
you know, and I, don't, I mean, that probably has nothing to do with it, but maybe it helped me mentally for a few few seconds. Just, you know, maybe I wasn't just rushing through that cast because I was frustrated. I was focused on that cracker, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, yeah. I definitely get that. Yeah, but I, like, I, I think it's no, go ahead. how much, how much good you can do by just trying to get back to neutral. I mean, I'm, I'm by, no, oh, yeah. by no means a, a mental expert, but I feel like over the last, you know, seven, eight, eight years now that I've been fishing kayak tournaments that, um, I feel like I could arguably, I mean, no one can, 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 uh, measure their mental state, but I feel like I have mentally grown way, way more than I have as just a fisherman. I'm still out there just covering water. Um, but that part of it is, is unbelievably huge for me. Oh yeah. And I, a lot of that comes just like anything else with fishing or golf or any sport, you know, just like that, the, the talent and the experience comes in time. So does getting your head around it. I mean, the first couple of years I did it, I mean, and even still, I still have bad, bad, like head games, you know, when I fish, but you, you start to like the big thing is realizing the problem and like admitting it to it. That's something that's great about you talking about everything you've talked about in both of these episodes, like you just talking about your feeling, you know, how you felt the excitement and then the low and everything and being open about it. Some folks will not talk about it like that, which I think puts you at a disadvantage, uh, mm. pent up any kind of stress. I, you know, it'll negatively affect you. And I mean, just openly talking about it. I mean, it may just make you feel better and even open up a different view on it later. And mm. so, you know, props to you on that. Uh, I want to take a, a small step back uh, just cause we've hit all around it, but just give me a, give us a breakdown of the tournament itself. You know, day one through three, just uh, we've heard, like you said, you called a 20 in the last few uh, <laughs> minutes and all this stuff. Just lead us through how, how it kind of all went, you know, any fun catches or key catches or just whatever. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, th- I'll throw one day of practice in there too, if you don't mind. Okay. No, nah, go for it, man. Um, I practiced, um, I think three areas. Um, they all ended up being really good areas, best I can tell from, from talking to people and, and, and whatnot, um, after the tournament here in doc talk, whatever. Um, but it was, it was, um, I looked at an area, um, kind of up, upper, upper lake and went to check out an area that looked really good on a map that had a lot of just different stuff. Um, and that's normally where I like to try to start is somewhere that has a lot of different things. And maybe I can just catch up on something easy, you know, that you don't have to cover a lot of water on. And a lot of that stuff didn't have anything. There were no lily pads there. And I went and looked around and there was a Creek close by. So I went as far back up into that as I could and caught a few fish, caught a few fish in kind of a weird area that I didn't understand at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I kept getting bites in this one little area and it was very weird. I I had no idea why there were fish there. Um, And I I left, I I was like, okay, that's a reasonable area that I think I can get some bites in if I can't find anything else. So I, I left, went to what was the complete opposite. It was middle of the lake. There was the most rock I could find, and 
I get there and there's a couple other people there. Somebody, um, Vinny had just caught an absolute giant when I came around the corner and I was like, okay, well, this is, this is a productive area. Um, Christine was there, um, throwing a buzz bait and covering water. And I basically, as I was coming across, I could hear her buzz bait and I probably watched her fish an area a hundred, 150 yards long. And I never heard anything that happened with that buzz bait um, to lead me to want to fish that whole area that she was fishing. It was just basically a riprap um, mm-hmm. that was probably half a mile long. And I think she fished all half a mile of it. And I, I realized that I probably could count topwater off first thing without even really hardly throwing it at all. Right. Because I, I mean, I could listen to her throw that thing and throw that thing and throw that thing. And I swear I could hear that thing for, I don't know how long, because the wind was blowing in my direction. I could hear her beat that thing off a rock from two or 300 yards away. (laughs) I didn't hear any blow ups. And and she said she hadn't got any blow ups on the buzz bait. So I, I was pretty confident that I didn't have to bother throwing a buzz bait in practice. And went back to the creek that was close by at that area after cranking some riprap and fishing the, uh, the little culverts area and didn't get anything. Went to the back of that Creek, caught a fish. And on my way out, um, the first kind of piece that I really clicked together on Ufala was a really nonchalant looking area. I got two bites and there was kind of a bend in the creek and the way the sun the sun was shining down it was the only shaded little area in this creek and the first thing i thought was that's really weird it's cold i shouldn't be getting bites and shade alone mm-hmm. and i looked at my map and just the way the the sun was laid out on uh apple maps or whatever there was shade on the water in the picture on Google Maps when I zoomed in. And I went back to where I'd fished earlier that morning, zoomed in, same scenario. There's a bend in the creek. There's the sun's on the same area. I got bites in an identical spot. There was no reason when I looked at that, there was no particular reason for there to be there. Um, there was no real grass there or anything like that. It was just a really random area but the only thing that was there was shade in both areas. So, um, and finding it in two, two places, you know, replicating it that quick means, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a like flag right there. Like, okay. And and it it didn't click at the first spot because you're not looking for shade in November. No, (laughs) that's not my first go-to by any means, especially maybe in Florida, but not here, especially not in the morning. You know, maybe midday, evening, you know, if you get a warm day, but, you know, especially not first thing in the morning, which is why I didn't recognize it by any means at first. And the first morning of the tournament, I put in somewhere on day one that I hadn't put in before. I get there, there was no one there. And Russ and Lambert came in barreling in last minute, which I'm sure, you know, a lot of people know why they were barreling in by now. I'm not going to get into that by any means. Um, but I was like, what in the world are they doing here? And they kind of explained, hey, we're going across a lake. And I was like, oh, cool. I've still got this spot to myself. You know, this is fantastic. And I fished all the shade around the boat ramp. 
and fish lay downs where you know it would make sense for fish to be you know when it's cool you get a cool cooler front and i mean i caught them very very well i mean that was the best i'd caught them in the couple days that i was there and so i literally loaded up at 9 30 or so i had like 81 inches by 8 30 and then cold one um pretty quick um when i went to my creek and 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 cold one right where that little shady spot was so i was like okay cool this is still a thing i'm leaving i loaded up drove to where i practiced um the first place i went to and jay Wallen was there and cody milton was there and they were also catching fish on day one and i was like okay that's a really good spot but i'm not gonna go check that out it's it's a, it was a pretty good pedal I was just curious who all was there for my day two plan or day three plan or whatever else. Um, Cause there's really not a whole lot of fish and a whole lot to fish in that area. So I was like, surely one of them found it. They're both great anglers. And then day uh, or uh, later in the day, I went way, way up river to see how many people um, were in an area where uh, some of the guys that I pre-fish with caught really big fish in practice. And I kind of knew they were all in a general area. So I was going to put in and, and I had plenty of time and I was going to go like two and a half miles up river. And I get about halfway up through there and didn't really see anybody. I was like, you know, there's a bunch of guys up here catching fish. You know, everybody recognizes vehicles in the parking lot. Um, they were guys that were doing absolutely unbelievable uh, leading the tournament, even, you know, like two of the top three were there. And I knew a bunch of big fish had been caught in practice there just by who was there and who was posting fish in practice and all that. Mm-hmm. And I get about halfway up through there and I'm, I'm wore out, you know, I've, I've pedaled a lot looking around by that point and the camera boat comes up and, um, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make it up to this Creek. I've already caught a good limit. You know, I'm just kind of looking around and I'm hoping I can just make it up there to this creek and look around because it looks like it's an untouched area. It's probably not been practiced a whole lot in. And um, I don't remember who was in the camera boat, but they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's where we're headed now. And I'm like, what? What in the world? Oh. <laughs> and I was like, man, that's that's a bummer because, I mean, I I mean, I, I and I end up going up there and um, they were they were two guys that were, you know, in the top 10 that were up there in that creek that I passed. And one of them that was, you know, I don't, I don't remember if he was leading or whatever the first day. I'm not going to, you know, destroy anybody's spots. But um, there was a lot of fish in there. I went and looked around. Um, and and the, the way the creek kind of curved, I didn't think that they might have went in or fished whatever side. But basically, I looked around, kind of was like, okay, well, I'm going to make a few casts in here. It's at the end of the day. I'm just going to see if I can catch one big one. And I made probably 10 casts and caught four fish in this little shaded area. And they were all small, but I was like, I, I'm on to something. Right. Without a doubt, even if they're small up here. Um, so I, I just left and I, I just, I didn't even fish all the way up to, to the end of the day. I just went in and started pedaling back. I was like, you know, by that point it was probably half. Got your information. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it clicked. I mean, the fish were smaller, but I knew big fish were in the area. So it was more or less one of those like, you know, backup plans again, back up to my backup plan. And then day two really, really threw a wrench in what I was wanting to do. I started out in that same area 
um, that I started out in day one and um, probably made two or three casts and lost a fish. And I was like, well, cool. They're, they're still here, you know, no, no biggie. And then probably fished 20 or 30 yards and caught one. I was like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm good. This is, this is solid. And then I caught um, like a pickerel or whatever they call them down there. Yeah, chain pickerel. And then I had um, I had another one come off, and I was like, "All right, you know." Th- then then you start to wonder. And there were three other guys there at my ramp on day two, and they all went towards my creek, and I was like, "Man, that's that kind of sucks," you know. And then <laughs> I was like, "Well, the only thing over there is that creek, even though it's you know probably a mile, you know." everybody here can do a mile. Everybody that TOC is doing a mile. That's not a big deal. And I was like, all right, you know, no biggie. I'll just let them have that. If my spots that I caught fish this morning, yesterday morning aren't doing well, then, you know, maybe I caught them all out of that Creek too. So I was like, no big deal and try to stay positive. So I turned around and went two miles North pedaling side unseen to a Creek. And I went through, and fished all the shaded area and didn't have a bite. And by that point, it's 10, 10 30, and I'm about to come absolutely unglued. There's bass boats <laughs> in my area. It's windy. I'm thinking I went too far from the truck to go down and relocate to try to catch four fish. And I'm stuck between just fishing that area slow and just hoping it pays off or crossing the main lake in 25 mile an hour winds to fish another Creek side unseen. And I basically just hit that whole area another time. And I get to a little bend in the Creek, which I'd already fished, had shade. Um, and I swapped colors of jackhammer and I caught three fish in probably five minutes and they absolutely choked that thing. And I absolutely could not believe it. And I fished that area, fished that area, fished that area, did not get another bite. And it's noon and I needed one fish. So I basically decided to roll the dice and I crossed over. Um, it took me about half hour, 40, 40, 40 ish minutes or so to cross over all the way. And the creek split and I had maybe an hour and a half at that point. And I basically was like, you know, they both look similar. They both have, you know, reasonable amount of shade on both. And I took the right-hand side and I went down through there, fished the shade, didn't get a bite, came back out. And there was like a couple laydowns and I fished those laydowns and had an absolute giant come off. And at that point, my heart sunk because I'm like, man, I ain't had a bite. That, that was outside my chance. Of a five minute floor, outside of a five-minute flurry, I haven't had a bite since the sun came up out of that random five-minute flurry. And then I started thinking, like, that's not the way I want to think because that's how you turn into avalanche mode. All right. I was like, okay, well, I got to I gotta bite off this laydown. Maybe, you know, there's another laydown, you know, 100 yards up through here. Um, maybe, maybe I can get bit off it. Maybe they're starting to come alive. Maybe they're, you know, just more isolated over here because it's closer to a boat ramp and it's been beat up. 
So I, I pedaled up to it real quick and caught an absolute line burner 12 inch fish with, with like less than an hour to go. And I, I mean, I was so excited with that 12 inch fish. I mean, I, no, no doubt in my mind. And I thought I heard somebody hollering in, in the next, in the, in the other side of that split. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, man, I, I, you know, there's, there's gotta be fishing here. There's, there's bass boats all in here. And, and I ended up calling like three quarter inch off that 12 and three quarter, which doesn't sound like much, but it, it really helped, you know, mentally hey. to be, you know, calling fish. And when I, when I got back to the boat ramp, um, G was there right behind me. And I was like, man, I was like, I don't know where in the world you came from, but he was asking for a ride. I was, I was trying to get a ride shout out to Brady stores. Uh, you know, I don't, um, I met Brady this weekend. Brady's fantastic. He gave me a ride. Um, great dude living out of his car, traveling around. Uh, he, he really helped me out. Give give me a ride. Cause I had, I had no real, real plan at that point. But, um, G, G said he had, he had came down, came down and, and was needing a ride too. And, you know, I, I never asked G cause I ended up not going there the next day, but you know, I, I wouldn't doubt if G was on that other side cause there wasn't a whole lot to fish in, in that area in that Creek, but, um, right. G G absolutely wrecked him that day. And I just, you know, was kind of hands off that area. But when I went home that night, um, it, well, actually we had to go back to the, 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 the captain's meeting area, the, 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 bill, or the lodge, um, after Brady dropped me off, I drove around for as long as I could looking for places um, on the upper end of that lake where, where people were still wrecking them after day two, one and two. Yeah. And I was pulling stuff up, driving through, was was ending up at, at gates that were end up being private property and was having to turn around on gravel roads. And and it seemed like everywhere I went to check out places, it was it was dead ends. But I realized as I was doing that was, man, there's a lot. There's a two or three creek stretch right here between these two ramps that are almost impossible to get to. Mm -hmm. And I went home that night, tried to think of every way in the world to get in. I was looking at people's far wide apps, looking at Onyx apps, looking to figure out what, what all was, was public property to slide in on. And every bit of that whole area was, was private no matter how it looked on a map and how good it looked or how, how different dirt roads and stuff, there was no way I could get in. So on day three, I literally swung for the fences, did what I like to do on, on Seminole and, 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 and a lot of here at home was basically put in and float down to another ramp and just try to fish that there was, there was two or three creeks right there that when you map the whole lake out with boat ramps and slides and everything else, there was a whole area where it was just, vacant there was nothing around for two or three four miles mm-hmm. and the the pen i dropped for to look at which i never could make it to directly across from that little pen was where i ended up catching that 20 incher at the end of the day and i literally spent the entire day fishing new water on day three that i'd never seen and i absolutely freaking wrecked them if i got a bite i'd turn around and fish it with both both jackhammer colors if there was a lay down, I flipped it and I, I literally caught an unbelievable amount of fish on day three, except for when the camera boat was on me and I lost every fish that I hooked, <laughs> including an absolute giant. And I just, well, 
it was absolute giant. It was it was probably a nineteen or twenty inch fish, and it just at the time I was like, well, you know, there went some money, uh, you know, because it was just it was one of those things where that fish obviously would have helped, you know, every every time you catch a nineteen or twenty inch fish, it's going to help unless you're Mark Pendergraft and the Bassmaster on Possum Kingdom. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, a nineteen or twenty inch fish helps everyone almost every tournament ever. And, but I hadn't had a bite in a while. So I kind of just looked at them and I was like, you know what? I'm glad y'all are here. Um, which is something you don't hear a lot of guys say about the camera boat. You know, they, they, they blame it on the camera boat, you know, Oh, can't camera curse, GoPro curse, whatever. And, you know, I told them, I said, look, I said, I'm glad you're here. Um, the, you know, I would have had a meltdown if I, if I'd have lost that fish and there was nobody around, you know, guaranteed. And, and I kept on trucking, kept covering water, kept sticking to what I was doing, kept, you know, I'd, I'd go in a Creek. Some of them, I literally, they thought I was crazy. I'm sure. Cause th- some of those locals that were moving, the, moving those guys around those bass boats. Cause I'd go in a Creek and basically look around and be like, nah, trust me, this, this, this doesn't look right. And I, mm-hmm. I would leave. And I was just covering water, covering water. And I think I probably did 12 or 13 miles, um, maybe 14. I, I didn't ever do it. I just know that I pedaled and pedaled and pedaled all day. And I still had four miles to go at the end of the day. Jesus. And it took literally up until the last little bit of me fishing. You know, I, I came into another creek that was split. And I was like, you know what? Yesterday I did the right-hand side of the creek. Today I'm going to do the left-hand side. And I went down through there. And I, I cold probably three quarter of an inch. And then I went to the right hand side, which is where I'd originally wanted to get to. And I was like, well, I'm going to stop this left hand side just a little short. It ain't seemed to work. And I went to the right hand side as soon as I got over there and, and fished the, the, the left bank on the right hand split. Um, I cold like eight and a quarter inches in the last Ooh. probably 10 minutes jesus between three three coals and it was it was unbelievable i mean it was it was one of those things where i almost wished i to fish the whole area like that whole bank because mm-hmm. i mean i probably made 15 casts on it and cold three times jeez and and i just you know as, as much as you could say oh what if what if i'd spent the day there what if i started there you know if i'd have started there i probably wouldn't have caught the 20 at the end of the day or you know who knows i'm gonna caught it the, at the beginning of the day it's, it's hard to play you know what else with that kind of thing but right I, I fished until the absolute last second and i basically threw nothing but but a green pumpkin jackhammer and and a white and chartreuse jackhammer the entire day and then really it the too. entire <laughs> Yeah, and really the entire weekend. I, I basically didn't fish slow enough to even throw anything else. Unless, if if I had a fish uh, miss it, I would throw a, a white fluke in. And that was the same for both day one and day two. I'd start out throwing a white frog, and if they missed it, I, I caught a couple throwing white frog. Or follow up after it. Follow it, yeah. And then if they missed the white chatterbait, I'd throw the white fluke in there. And if, if they missed the green pumpkin chatterbait, then I'd throw a D bomb in there real quick. Um, but I mean, that was so, it. Taking a, a step back to to talk about a couple of things, you know, something that I liked about your day one was, you know, once you got your eighty one inches, you know, you you kind of 
everybody knows a three day tournament. It's not about the one good day, you know, it's a consistency and, you know, 80 inches plays in most any tournament, you know, it does it hold you in the top five, not in a lot of the occasions, but it's Mm -hmm. definitely something to build off of in a second day. You, you see it in every tournament series, kayak angling's part of that have multi-day tournaments. Um, you know, it's really cool that you, you got to that point and you were like, okay, this is working. I've got to go find and test more of it. And you had time, you know, you, you viewed it as I'm sitting in a good place. Uh, and and that's just something I wanted to point out for people listening to this is, you know, there's that's like the professional attitude of it. You know, that's a real game plan. That's a real, like a lot of people just, you know, think fish and keep grinding. You know, they're, they're thinking, I got to get the most out of day today. I can, I got it. You know, that can turn into burning up a spot or, you know, missing key pieces of like details to your, your puzzle you're putting together. Um, you know, burning you out on the next day. It, it's cool to good Lord. Here we go again. <laughs> I got it. it. It's cool to see. Cause you're not the only person that that's done it. And it, I just don't feel like a lot of people get to hear about it or realize that there's so much more to it. You know, like you, you see it a lot when you watch the bass boat guys, you know, on MLF, they'll, they'll hit that. Like, okay, I put the, they'll, they'll all talk about it. Like, okay, I think it's going to take 40 pounds, you know, day one. So once I hit 40 day one, I'm going to go looking. And, you know, these are the guys making the big bucks and it's the same thing here. And in y'all, y'all are doing it. You know, the TOC is a good example of, like we said before, the best anglers, in kayak fishing right now that all qualified for this major event. And I'm sure a bunch of folks were doing things like that, you know, pack up, move and looking to be able to, you know, like even if it wasn't looking for something for day two, finding that spot you may need for day three. And then uh, the other thing I really wanted to hit was, did you ever come up with like a hypothesis on what it was about the shaded areas that was keeping the fish there i yes and no i i trust me i thought every every way in the world um to why um i I don't know how much alligators and and fish interact but all the alligators were on the sunny side as as soon as it as soon as the sun would come up you'd start seeing alligators all over the sunny side and as soon as the sun come up, I would start catching fish in the shade. Now, I'm a very, very big believer of shade and sun lines being ambush points for, for bait. Uh, you know, for, you know, everybody knows a, a bass is an opportunistic feeder. Right. I think if you put something in an area, especially um, where there's, toothy critters for lack of better explanation <laughs> if if you're catching fish that can be eaten by other fish you'll you'll see that um you know i, I kind of learned that from fishing for redfish and and stuff in and in intercoastal stuff if you put something in front of those fish i don't give a crap if it's if it's um there's a bait that a buddy of mine throws down there in louisiana called freddy the frog it's a giant <laughs> swim bait that has a frog with crazy legs that doesn't even, I mean, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I've never, I mean, I, I don't know if redfish eat frogs. I mean, 
redfish will eat a D-bomb. I mean, redfish is basically just bass fishing on steroids, in my opinion, because if you put anything in front of a redfish when it's up shallow looking for stuff, we've got them, <laughs> them on D-bombs. I just go down there and throw a jackhammer. Just mm-hmm. Hookup ratio is good, and, and it creates flash and everything else, and I've already got one tied on anyway, so I might as well just throw it when I'm down there. And and we've caught them on all kinds of stuff and just try to see what we can catch them on because it, it's it's kind of a eat or be eaten scenario down there in salt water. So oh, yeah. if you get in an area, you know, if you go south or even up north where, you know, there's muskie and pike or, or pickerel or whatever else in the world down there, it's either you eat and get bigger or you stay small and get eaten because you're the runt. So, you know, I don't know how much bass and alligators interact. I just know gators are on the sunny side, bass are on the shaded side. I don't know if they hide better in that area. I don't know if, if there might have been a little bit of grass that was growing in maybe some of the shady areas, different types of grass. I don't I don't know. I, I really don't have an exact science of why why it was why it was cold in November and they were fishing the shade. You know, my, my best guess would have been what you kind of hit on, not the predatory aspect of it, but the, the cover more or less, you know, if, if the grass is mostly dead, the pads are few and far between, you know, they basically got lay downs, rocks, if you can find them, you know, there's not as much ambush area and, you know, the, the dark may just give them that little bit of an advantage, you know, and, 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 and that's and I can assume. I'm I'm all for a shade pattern. I mean, we we fish the shade pattern on the rivers quite a bit. Oh yeah, I mean that's you know smallmouth. I heard it from an old timer. Uh, fish fish don't have eyelids, so they they got to get somewhere where they can get some <laughs> some natural shade. A so, little break in it. <laughs> yeah, so they they you know I I don't care where they're hiding. You know as long as I can find a few of them. Well. It's a killer story, man. You you put it together for sure. And again, for anybody that didn't catch part one where we talked about, we kind of did it out of order, but you know, <laughs> I wanted to get to the good stuff quick. You know, I wanted, I wanted you to have plenty of time to talk about the, the, the best part. Yeah. But, uh, everybody go back and listen to that. And, you know, it's cool to hear the story, uh, you know, cause it was a bunch of ups and downs really, you know, uh, absolutely. Yeah. A good first day where you got on them good enough to go, try and capitalize on a plan day two was a grind and then you know day three it's you know a big run and hoping for the best and you know and then you said earlier you know thinking that you finally closed it all out you know just so much emotion and that that can drain on you and i mean how how hard was it to keep yourself composed when they called your name at second when you were, uh, like you said, man, you were just, I've, this is mine. I have done this. How, how did you keep it together? Cause I would have probably blown up. Like <laughs> I'd have fell apart. Yeah. I've, I've had a few people tell me like, you know, how in the world did you, did you say anything? You know, I'd have been like, son of, you know, what in the world? How, how, you know, what happened? What the crap, you know, what in the world? And everybody knows that I'm, I, I have no shortage of words. I mean, you, you've learned that over our last couple. I mean, I, I can talk, I can ramble. Um, and if you, if you watch the first of, of that, when I talked to AJ, I really 
didn't know what I was going to say. Um, cause if, if you watch the AOI part, everybody knows I hollered, let's go. Um, whether it's, whether it's on Facebook and all caps, when I get excited, you know, when somebody I, I know and, and like does something great, you know, I, I was, I was waiting. It was, it was, let's go. You know, it's, it's that moment was so close. That was all I could think about saying. And when the time came to thank everybody for second, whenever, when they were handing me things, I didn't look at it. I didn't, I didn't care what that plaque looked like. I didn't care what the check said. And that moment, the only thing I could think about was, oh, oh my God, what am I going to say? Yeah. Um, and, and you could hear me. I, I mean, I can just picture it plain as day. I'm looking at the table full of my boys in the back. Nothing AJ said was registering at all in my <laughs> head. I mean, he could have been telling me whatever in the world. I have no idea what AJ said. Not, not in the slightest clue. And I'm looking at my boys and they're going, you know, they're looking at each other like what, what's going on? Everybody's looking around. I mean, everybody, as soon as they said my name, everybody was like, you know, there was the collective of, oh my gosh, Christine did it. You know, congratulations. That's awesome. You know, and and oh my God, no way. And oh my God, what just happened? And trying to filter through hearing I mean, no one, no one's trying to be quiet when that happens, trying to filter through all of that. Like I said, no idea what AJ said. And, and I just remember going, oh, wow. Um, 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 you know, and try to process everything and catch up and hit the, hit the fast forward button through everything that AJ was saying to the point where I could catch up and kind of actively listen to him. Cause I mean, everybody knows when you're standing there, that's the most important thing going on at the moment. That's where the camera's looking. And I'm just very, <clears throat> I'm just very thankful that I got through that part of it and just sounding reasonable. Um, Cause well, it's I, hard, man, because like playing off people's reactions, is like, like you look at your table with your boys in it because this is your support system, you yeah. know. When I'm looking at my support system and they're falling apart, that's yeah. not going to help me out at all, you know. Yeah. So, Absolutely. I understand, man. It, golly, I can't imagine how hard hard that was, and and you did it great, you know, great as you could. I mean, I if you had literally just stood up and said, "Man, I don't know what to say." I'm at a loss for words. I appreciate everybody and everything. I walked off the stage. I would have understood like 100%. Right. You're good. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Um, and I, I honestly, even, even thinking about it now is I kind of stuttered just a second ago. It's a very weird feeling when I think about that still of just how, you know, leading a tournament after day one is a very, very good feeling. And winning a tournament's a very, very good feeling. But thinking you've won a tournament and it not happening is 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 a very weird, weird feeling. Um, 
and, and by no means am I wanting to take anything away from Christine. You know, she, she grinds all year. I mean, everybody sees that in her YouTube videos and, and all that. And, and as, as happy as I am for her, um, it's just, that's, that's something that I won't forget. And that's going to make whatever the first Hobie tournament is that I do win. That feeling is going to be hopefully forgotten about a, so I don't have to think about it no more. And, and B hopefully the follow up to that accomplishment, accomplishing feeling is, 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 you know, if I, if I, when I win a Hobie, I hope it's close. I hope I get that same feeling again and get the realization of it. You know, as much as I'm happy with, with however that would work out, you know, whether you win by 30 inches, I mean, I don't, I don't care. You know, that's, that's the goal from here on out. There's part of me. If, you know, if, if we're being honest, which everybody I hope knows that that's 100% what I'm about. 24 seven, even if it pisses somebody off or whether it's whatever, I want to be known for being straightforward and honest and, and, and 100% real. I'd be lying if I said, I didn't hope it was close. Just, just you, that feeling is there again. And the full spectrum of that moment is realized. Right. No, I feel you, man. That's, I mean, I can't think of a word to say for it, but that is probably the, the the best way I would want to experience or that anybody would want to experience having experienced it from where you are. And, yeah. and I hate that we're bringing it up again. Uh, you know, I, I like doing these stories like we're doing a little bit after a tournament happens. I noticed even with, uh, with G we've been getting like, we usually focus on getting these people in and you right after these tournaments man the interviews have been so much better after there's been some time to sit and soak on it Mm -hmm. that i kind of don't want to cover them right after anymore because i mean right after you're burnt out you know (coughs) but the best conversations have been you know revisiting these after you've had time to think you think of things that you forgot about that you maybe not talked about yet or you know you're in such a brain fog but but yeah, man, I appreciate you bringing, you know, bringing it back up because I know it still, you know, it still hurts. I know it does, you know, but, you know, a lot of great things happen. It's going to put you in a way better place, even mentally going into it. Because now, I mean, it's just like, I feel like you're going to grind even harder now. Like, oh, yeah, you it, have to, man. It, it never like, stops. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, I always want there to be no shortage of effort on my end. And I, I even told the, the camera boat when it was following me around and I was I was doing miles between creeks and stuff. And I, I told them, I said, look, I said, th- there's no shortage of effort. There's no second guessing. There's no, what if I did this? What if I did that? Because I had day two to second guess. You know, I, I didn't go to my creek that I found in practice and I caught one fish out of on day one. And while, while we're talking about that, none of those guys, after I talked to them, none of those guys ever went to that creek. <laughs> they never did. And who's to say if I would have caught, you know, a few more inches on day two that I wouldn't have, you know, swung for it on day three. So I don't, I'm not hating on day two by any means because it very well led me to what I did on day three because I had to, you know, swap it up. Um, right. But day two's a day that, you know, when hindsight's 2020, day two's the day that gave me problems. 
Um, and that's, it, it's, 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 it's part of it, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, but day two was the day that even, even though I would like to have it back, um, no, no, no second guesses. You know, I, I went across, I did the full paddle across, across the lake in the middle of the day and, and took 40 minutes to get over there and didn't have a ride and just found somebody that was fishing our tournament to give me a ride. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't regret it in, in the slightest, you know, the, the effort, the efforts there. And if, if I have to grind that much harder to, to, you know, come out on top, it's, it's, you know, I'll, I'll take a third sandwich with me on the kayak and I'll turn the music up louder and, you know, we'll, we'll grind that much harder. Yeah, man. Uh, no, it, you, you, you learn to, cause I've had a lot of, not on the national level, but I've had a lot of almosts that I blamed on a lot of what ifs mm. and it means nothing. Like absolutely you made, you made your decision yeah. and you got where you were because of your decision. Like just because that decision wasn't where you wanted it to be. There's no saying if you went to the, that creek, anything would happen. It could have got worse. You right. could have lost the AOI, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it, it takes a big person to to realize that. And, and, and again, I, I mean, I just said it, but people should watch out for, for, for you, man. Next year, I think it's, you know, you've came close, like you said, in Hobies before, but you didn't get to that feeling in that this is mine until this one. I can't wait to see the Hobies next year, man. You're, I'll be putting my money on Jordan for sure, just because I think you're going to come out ready to just wreck some people, just to get over that feeling, like just that, like. Well, we're 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 hitting. Uh, me, me and the boys were talking today and, and and yesterday. We're 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 coming out the gate swinging as far as next year goes. Um, we're we're gonna do the we we're gonna do a Western swing like we did last year where we did Oklahoma with Broken Bow for the Hobie and Fork for the Bassmaster and back to back weeks. This year we we found the only back to back tournament and it's Bassmaster at Fork, which I absolutely hate. I hate <laughs> Fork. I don't want to go back to Fork. But you know if 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 we're getting one out of the way at the start of the season, I'm get I'm getting Fork out of the way and then we're gonna go spend a week on Toledo Bend. I've never been on Toledo Bend. Um, but we're, we're going to go and I'm going to throw the freaking kitchen sink at them first, first out of the season. And, and if, and if I got to come out swinging and, and air mill the whole first thing, I promise I'm going to come out swinging good, good, bad or indifferent. Yeah, man. And since you brought it up, you know, I was going to, we talked about it briefly, you know, you Hobie's your, your deal. And yeah. these episodes talking with you, I mean, completely tells us why, you know, yeah. uh, but since we talked last, the Bassmaster schedule for 2022 did come up. Uh, for anybody listening that hasn't seen it, I'll just go over it real quick. Uh, they are playing with a little bit of two-day uh, stuff, as well as they added a AOI system uh, for all the people that were really hating on it for not having it. Well, they're going to give it a shot, which we kind of expected. But the first event, like Jordan said, uh, February 5th and 6th, Lake Fork in Texas. Uh, March 2nd and 3rd is the championship at Richard B. Russell Lake in South Carolina. Uh, March 19th is Harris Channel Lakes in Florida, which I think could be pretty cool. Uh, but I will not be making the trip down for that one. Uh, April 16th, Grand Lake Grove, or Grand Lake and Grove, Oklahoma. Um, kind of curious to see how that one goes because a lot of the locals out there talk about that, that lake's like heavily restricted to kayakers and canoers. Uh, I'm sure bass probably got like a special permit, but 
none of the details are out yet, so who knows? Um, they're coming uh, to Smith, Lewis Smith Lake in Alabama, May twenty first. Even though that's like forty five minutes from me, you will not catch me on that freaking body of water probably ever again because I hate that place. Uh, and then, what's that? Is that a tough one? Not for some, you know, it's a, the, the big boat series go there a lot. Uh, my thing with it is it's, it's super pressured. Uh, it's it like, I would compare it to Gunnersville kind of pressure, tons of tournaments, tons of boats. They do a big bass fest there every year. They'll have two to 500 boats for that. Um, it's just, it's is, a big, it's the, like, is that the Smith Lake where we had the Bassmaster kite thing a couple years ago? That was Logan Martin. Logan Martin. I got Yeah, you. that's on the Coosa. Uh got you. I was there. Lewis, I, I couldn't remember. Yeah, I was too. That was a that is I don't want to say it's similar fisheries, but they're both like you're going for big spots. That's your thing. You know, Smith Lake's deep. I like big spots. Clear. I do too, and that's what I hate that lake for, is I just can't figure it out. And it's I don't know. The but, there is a lot of creeks. Spotted bass, I might show up if if they're deep See, spotted they, bass. I'm I'm out. See, that's the thing is, it has some really good creeks that run for, I mean, thirty miles away from that lake. But with the national trail rules, I think that they're. I, I can't wait to see them put the boundaries on it, because like we had the state championship for Alabama there this year, and a buddy of mine got way, like way way up a creek and absolutely destroyed a uh, largemouth all day. I think he caught like one good spot, but I bet you could never get there in one of the national tournaments with the way the boundaries work. But, uh, and then the last one for the year will be October 8th and 9th and it's going back to Pickwick. Uh, they'll be stationed in counts, Tennessee again. I am looking forward to that one just because again, I'm, f- I'm 45 minutes from that lake too. And I had a really Really good thing going that tournament. Uh, last day of pre-fishing, I made two casts. I caught a seven, and then I turned around 30 minutes later, made a cast. I caught a an 18-inch. So I caught a 23, and then I caught an 18-inch smallmouth, left my spot. was like, man, I got this, especially with one-day tournament. I was like, man, if I got two biggins and two bites, I can get five to bite tomorrow. Yeah, yeah got to my spot on tournament day. Uh, there was a couple of guys I know that had no idea Bassmaster was doing a kayak tournament there, and they had fished my spot then, like right after I left all night. Oh, and uh, I saw them there, told them what was going on, and they were like, "Oh," and I was like, "I got to know, did you you've been catching them?" And they were like, "Oh yeah, we caught some fives, a couple of fours, you know, he caught oh. his first twenty, and I was like, "Oh God," and my my heart sank. I, I should just went home, but. But what what are your thoughts on it? Because I'll go ahead and say it, and I you know I'd run their stuff for our state for kayaks. I wasn't that impressed with the schedule. It does have a couple of stops I like. Um, I know there's a lot of hate about it not going up north, uh, and I don't really understand why they didn't. Uh, like normally, like the argument with going out west when some of these big trails have went out west, they don't have the participation that make. I mean, if you don't have if you put in a lot of time, effort, and money, and forty people show up, I fully understand not going back. Right. Um, but I don't really understand taking like like. I mean, you could say yeah, y'all hit lacrosse twice in a row, but people showed up, man. So, right. but uh, what was your thoughts? 
Um, I like I like the fork. Like, like we'll probably go to that, or we're planning on going to that. I'll, I'll probably go to Pickwick. I really like Pickwick from this year when Hobie was there. Um, I might go to Lewis Smith just because I like spots, depending on if it's open or not. Um, I'm probably not going to go to the Classic. I've I've never went down and fished the St. Johns River or basically anywhere in Florida other than just you know Seminole. Seminoles yeah. the most Florida I've fished other than fishing for redfish down in uh um Pensacola area. So I probably am not gonna go to St. John's. Um it bothered me actually that they didn't have um not not necessarily a northeast tournament, but I heard a rumor that there was gonna be a tournament on the Susky. And right. I, I love the Susky. Um it treated me very well this year. Um, I kind of had struggled up there the first year trying to basically fish it like the rivers here. I mean, it is a very good smallmouth river, but it's, it's not identical to here. So I kind of had to, you know, figure it out, fish it a little bit different, approach it a little bit different, but man, once you figure it out, it, it, it's, it's very similar to here, just on a grander, grander, grander scale, especially once they got a little bit more water in it this year compared to last year when we were up there. Um, so when I heard that rumor, um, I, I was like, okay, we'll just double up at Susky this year, double up Pennsylvania. Cause I, I was looking forward to that, to be completely honest. And when the bass schedule came out and it wasn't on there, I was like, I, I actually asked somebody, I was like, okay, well, if they didn't go to Susky, where, where'd they go up there then? And it was nowhere. And I was like, Okay, well, and I literally the next question was, well, when did when did, when are they going to lacrosse? And I'm like, well, there's not lacrosse on there either. And I was like, okay, like, where where did they go then? You know, like, because I considered lacrosse to be kind of a lock. Um, I mean, I understand you don't want to go there every year, but when there's that many people going and participation yeah. to be there, and go back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, might, might as well. I mean, I, and I, nobody was complaining about it, man. No, nope. I'm like, not a super big fan of lacrosse. It just didn't seem, you know, I, I don't know. I just didn't have a great time there in the week that I was there. It wasn't terrible, wasn't awful. It's just a long drive for me to fish somewhere that I didn't, you know, love. Um, but I was told, like Susquehanna, if you get the water levels in the right area, um, then it sets up better for what I like to do. And I'm all for giving places plenty of opportunities. And I just, you know, was was surprised that there was nothing at Lacrosse specifically, and um, nothing up in the Northeast at all. I'm I'm not a Northeast guy, but you know, I feel bad for those guys. I mean, I understand that um, they didn't have the most. I mean, the tournament up at um, Vermont Champlain. I think it had the lowest Hobie attendance, even less than Watts Bar, which was like 15 degrees. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, at the same time, they still had 74 guys. I mean, Champlain's out in the middle of nowhere, as far as I'm concerned, just way out there. So, I mean, I feel like given given where the tournament was at, I mean, obviously it's not in California, but, I mean, they didn't have – I mean, they still had 75 guys there, give or take. So, Right. I think the – I can't remember the numbers of the worst – Bassmaster, I think it was in the sixties. Uh, I think. Um, I don't know. It'll be cool to see uh, if any more information comes out on it. Uh, something, just uh, a speculation that I kind of have is, I do think that an AOI structure will bring more people to it. 
I don't, I'm not, I don't mean it as people picking one tournament series or the other. Cause I don't think anybody's ever going to do that because we're kayak fishermen. We're, most of us are opportunists. And until like we talked about before, there's the big, you know, hundred thousand dollar, $10,000 entry fee, whatever. You don't really have a reason just to fish one, you know, get out there and do it as much as you can. Uh, I think you may see, cause I've noticed a lot of first timers spending that money at Bassmasters. And I've not fished a Hobie could be the same thing with a Hobie, but yeah. I've seen, I fished, I think I fished five of them total and every one I've been to, there's been quite a few first timers. Like some guys, yeah. that's their first kayak tournament. Kayak tournament like, period. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because Bassmaster's name. Bill. Yeah, it really is. And you know, maybe where you've got the guys like you and you, you know, and all of y'all's, you know, y'all's crew and every, the big names, everybody knows you, you always see them. They make sure they make as many of the Hobies as they can. You may see a lot of those unknowns getting into the Bassmaster stuff because it may look like a chance, you know, okay, well they're going to be focused over here. I can make my name here, you know? Yeah. And, and that, that, that's no way to say, make somebody say they're the best at anything, but it, like, I think that there's like, I've talked talked about taking a step back this year, looking at all the schedules, especially since Bassmaster came out. Cause we were going to, me and Brian Schiller that, you know, created this podcast where mm-hmm. we were going to follow Bassmaster around next year, you know, and tag team it. Yeah. Looking at this schedule, me and him both agreed, like as much as I hate to say it, we might hit a bunch of the KBF stuff. Cause for me, it's not, I'm not trying to make an angler of the year run or win mm-hmm. a championship. Like I go, to places that are like on my list of lakes I want to fish. Yeah. And they've got a lot of them this year. And that's literally the only defining factor. It has nothing to do with money, like who I'm fishing against. Cause I, I should probably change it to having that mentality of, I need to go and I want to win. But that's not, I'm never there. I'm just there, dude. Like yeah. might fall in place one day. Uh, but looking at the Hobie schedule, like because the, uh, Nobody else was doing the the Susky. I want to go. I want to go hit that one in July. Uh, that every time y'all hit Susky, everybody fishes Hobie. God, that looks like something I could just get into. That's my kind of fishing. It's, it's you know, fun. yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's fun. I mean, as far as you know, trying to prioritize things that you had mentioned. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, at least me personally, I, I can't speak for everybody. Obviously, it's it's Hobie, Hobie, far, far ahead, away from everybody, and then it's kind of um, lo- local stuff, just because we we've got a great group of guys in Knoxville that it, it takes a lot of focus just to win our our local stuff. I mean, I mm-hmm. I, I didn't even run her up in our AOI this year. I I finished third, and um, you know, this year I'm going to sprinkle some KFL tournaments in. I, I talked to some guys. I'm going to fish some KFL events this year. Yeah, I heard about it. I, I was yeah. excited about it. I was hoping Dan was listening. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, I mean, I, I, I. That piqued my interest last year when I first heard about it, or whenever they started that, and there wasn't a whole lot of interest in, in Knoxville, and I didn't really want to drive back and forth, but I just. I couldn't get the answers I wanted ahead of time. Um, Cause I don't think they just didn't have them. It's not that they didn't want to give them. 
And the same way this year, I, I kind of hinted around, at, at, you know, hopping on full bore um, and couldn't get the answers I wanted ahead of time. What happened? Oh, you're good. It just got there quiet, but I think I still got Sorry. you. <laughs> there we go. Um, so I, I couldn't get the answers I was I was wanting ahead of time. So um, I ended up just kind of hopping on um, and, and, and talked to some guys last week with, with Dan and um, I'm, I'm going to try to help out and fish, you know, three or four events maybe with um, the the – Oh my gosh, I can't even I can't even think of their the uh, put him on the spot. I, I feel yeah. you I'm I can't ever think of the new name because he they were the Alabama Hammer team yeah, last year. It's King Kingfishers. I I can't think of yeah. the Coosa uh, the Kingfishers. Coosa uh, Kingfishers. There we go. That's it. Ah! That, no, that's that's really cool. And I'm interested to see how that works. Cause I mean I I have, you know, there's there's it's very easy to be critical when you're not part of, of something. So um, I have, I mean, obviously I haven't been super critical of, of KFL the way I have been of KBF cause I've been vocal about that. Um, but I'm curious to see, um, from an inside perspective and, and everybody knows, like I said, I'm very straightforward and honest. I, I just want to give an honest review uh, of it getting it, fish it and, and try it. And I think, I think those guys are a great group um like a, a very competitive group when you look at all the teams and, and look at the area and look at you know what they're going to be fishing and um you know I'm, I'm interested to see how that works you know if it takes off you know fantastic you know that's something you know i might take more seriously the following year um but you know this is something that i'm looking forward to as much as just the newness of it the the um the you know the shininess you know you try, yeah. try something new kind of thing well, and you know, something my granddad always taught me, you know, was don't knock it till you try it. So yeah. that that's my big thing about people that are real critical on things. So like people that are vocal about KBF, there's a reason, you know, yeah. but that's a reason well, why me personally, I'm talking about taking a step into it next year. I've never fished with KBF before, so I don't technically have an argument. I can get into it next year and I can either, I, you know, I'll have my own opinion, and that's part of the reason why I want to do it. Uh, something I, I'm like you talking about, you know, KFL, like having a place or if it, you know, becomes a big thing. You look at bass fishing now, like professionally. And, you know, it was always like FLW and Bassmaster were always like the traditional, like we've always known it. And then MLF came in and did something totally different. And I mean, it's a hit. Yeah. It could be the same thing where like Hobie and Bassmaster run like the OG versions of kayak fishing and, you know, KFL's the MLF of kayak fishing, where it's something different that, you know, it may attract, start to, I mean, because it's not like that. There is tons of killer anglers on these teams, you know, yeah, people I, that I fish no these idea. big trails. And, and my, my initial thought, just, just initially last year was, um, this is going to be something where a bunch of quote unquote online tournament guys are just going to cherry pick their events and it's going to be whoever's on their home field advantage is going to win. And, you know, there, there was some events where somebody went in somewhere and won, but I think it's still, that's where you kind of end up, you know, is kind of having everything, you know, whoever's, you know, home field is going to win. 
Um, but I think as you get better and better anglers to show up and travel and things and, and, you know, that can, that can change, you know, a, a lot easier that way. And you have more surprises and things like that, because, you know, the more, you know, controlled chaos you can have, um, the better, you know, more excitement you have. So, um, it is definitely, uh, yeah, something great about it was, the the big argument with which now I don't have any problems with KBBT when COVID happened that was the smartest thing that came out of COVID for yeah. us you know a way to keep going um, but you know the critical argument of it was it's just honey hole fishermen which I completely agree with you know yeah uh, and, and I, I like the KFL that. that's just not no I, I have no I mean, that's all online monthlies are yeah uh, I have no interest in that. No, I, I did one. Uh, one of the guys really wanted me to get in there, give it a try. I gave it a, well, I gave it 15 minutes of a try. I, we were, we were doing an event on Del Hollow and I was traveling and I literally only got to get on the water in our tournament hours for 15 minutes. I caught one fish and I was proud of that one fish cause I did it in 15 minutes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I never had any problem with it. Uh, KFL, my biggest argument with it, with it. And, most of those guys, I know a lot of the team members will be like this. They need to be a little more transparent with details. Not like they're hiding anything. It's just, yeah, it just a lot it of the people seen, I have, it's hard to get the info. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm, um, you know, Dan, Dan and Coley do a great job of kind of filling me in. Cause I have a lot of questions cause you know, I'm, I'm new to this whole thing and, and, um, there, there is some sort of an, an impact informational breakdown between you know kind of whoever's all running greg or whoever's all running that and and guys that are kind of getting into it, it, it the, the information just kind of slowly trickles down and, right um which which is fine if, if they're figuring it out that way and, and it you know maybe i'm um just because of you know where i'm coming in there's fog in the distance maybe you know that fog is essentially where they're figuring things out and i'm just learning everything basically as quickly as they're putting out information which is fine that's just part of being new to something you you don't know where the informational barrier is right um, what you're catching up to you know what i mean yeah and i, I think there is some of that uh but like you, i talk with people like dan and he, I mean, now Dan, Dan's a different breed, man. Dan is a very technical person. Anybody that listens to this podcast know he, he was like podcast famous with us for spreadsheets on like fishing information. Like my man is detailed. So I am not surprised at all when he knows every detail of something. Cause that's the thing he's going to get to the bottom of. But yeah. I'll I talk to other people that have been a part of it that, you know, like are in the middle of it and still like, eh, I don't know. This is about all I figured out from it. And, and that'll change. I, you know, I'm sure, you know, it'll, it'll adapt and keep growing, but it's, it's a cool concept and it, I, I think it, it'll have its place. Uh, Cause like something like you said, you know, the way you thought it would be with the, uh, like home field advantage, always playing in it, man, Dan's team went down there and absolutely wrecked folks on their home waters. They put up like the biggest, uh, I think outside of, uh, Mark Vendergraff and Joe McElroy's single days on uh possum kingdom yeah I, th I think it was coley put up like one of the biggest single day sets of numbers ever like really like third yeah i mean all and they were 
I think they ended up driving to Texas or something on that, or maybe it was Florida, but they went down there to these guys' home waters and just gave them the business. Like, and that for me, I appreciated that just because it was like, well, that right there can disprove that theory that, yeah. you know, we came to your spot and I still kicked your ass. Like, yeah, get over I, it. I, I think the tournament you're referring to, um, I think they had like 192 inches on 10 fish, but yeah. The, but the local Texas guys had like 205 or something like that. Yeah. Even though they wrecked them, I, I think they still end up losing. I think that was like their playoff. No, no, no. Yeah, you're right. I've got two stories was, mixed up. It was regardless. It's impressive. You go anywhere and, you know, a, a few guys that don't know an area can show up and catch 190 something inches on, on 10 fish. I mean, hats off to them. That's incredible. I mean, um, but, but man, that's, you're you're not losing too many of anything if if you got ten fish for over two hundred inches. Oh, and that's a loss. I'll take like yeah. With if a if that's hat. a loss, you know, I'm shaking your hand and and congratulations thing. You know, I, I think Dan caught like a nine pounder in that one. Like <laughs> you you can't be mad if you yeah. catch a nine and can't win. Like yeah, that's that's whatever. <laughs> that's that's a tough one right there. A, a tough a tough place to go if if. If those guys are fishing that water next year, I, I hope that's one that I'm fortunate enough to go to at some point. If 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 I'm filling in for somebody, I, I I hope that's one I get to go to. Heck yeah! I Texas Lake. We talked earlier about how like Ufala didn't quite live up to the big fish hype. Mm-hmm. Man, Lake Fork, the fishing was tough. I didn't find a fish under three pounds though. Like I couldn't get over like. That was the small fish, you know. Like, I, I didn't find a fish for three days in practice, um, and even during the tournament, I, I just caught a bunch of fourteen-inch buck bass. So, I, I, I don't think I caught a, a fish on tournament day or in practice. I don't think if I caught two or three of them together, they weighed three pounds. So, I, I don't know what part crazy. of Lake Fork you were on, but send me, send me send, all over there, bad boy. Drop, drop, drop me a location because I'm going to go back there this year, and I, I need some help, dog. Well, hey, I'll be down there, man. We'll we'll have to catch up if you if y'all do double dip because I've thought about doing the same thing and hitting Toledo Bend with Hobie. Uh, we'll catch up while we're down there and at least because like I usually make like my first one like a vacation. I'm down there yeah. for a week, so we kind of just mess around, you know. We we found a really cool little 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 bar spot down there with a little yeah. dance hall and a little pool hall in it, you know. But we'll catch up. Well, uh. Before we let you go, I didn't get a chance to let you do it last time. Uh, take a minute and, you know, tell us who and thank everybody that makes fishing easier for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate that. Um, McKee Outdoors are a great tackle shop um, by the house here, man. They, they've they've been they've been friendly to me since I was a 16-year-old kid running around buying Cinco's so I could go fish some ponds. And uh, I, I, just, I go in there and I sit down and I soak up so much information from a lot of those guys. And I think that's what a lot of young guys that are, that are my age and younger kind of, kind of miss out on is, is going in and sitting down and, and having a conversation with those, with those old guys that are, that are in there hanging out. You know, a lot of those guys want to share information if you want to go listen. And, and I just encourage everybody, you know, McKee, McKee Outdoors is my local tackle shop. I encourage everyone to go to their local tackle shop. That's, you know, that's owned by, you know, whoever it is in your community to, to go and hang out there. Cause there's, there's a lot of good folks that are, that are there. And I ain't never been in half of them, and, but I know that's true. Cause that's just, part right, of man, it. you'll learn so much. Um, R- river sports is, uh, is my outfitter here in, uh, in Knoxville that sells Hobies. Um, I've been with them for like five or six years now. 
um, they they really believed in me when I was like 18 or 19 and, and try to help me out with 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 boats and things like that for a long time. And um, Ed, Ed's been in business like almost 40 years. I think they had their 38th anniversary this year. He's he's been all over the world. So he he can help you out and kind of walk you through a lot of those situations that we look over with with what particular type of socks to wear and everything like that. Cause I'm one of those people, if it gets cold, I'm putting on two pairs of socks, but he told me how to layer them and all that. So sh- shout <laughs> out to Ed and, and, and Ed's been great. And, uh, Brian Backa from Southeast tackle, uh, was, uh, uh, he has all kinds of stuff. He, he, he does everything down there in Chattanooga. It's, it's near Chickamauga. Um, he's been great. Uh, kayak cushion uh, makes, makes those 14 mile pedals a lot, lot easier on my, I got so many of those things. (laughs) And that's, that, that's the simplest, greatest thing that's ever been. And, and I was, I was so critical of that when it came out, I'm like, y'all are paying how much for a cushion? (laughs) And I'm like, then you get my, one and you're my, like my, my strap messed up on one of mine because I yanked on it too hard right before we we went and and I'm an idiot and I I, I feel like I'm like man I'm gonna yank on this thing and and so I don't have to worry about it coming off when we're moving but and and I yanked on that thing too hard and then when I get to the next next stop and I'm like man I will give somebody eighty dollars for a cushion <laughs> if y'all will let me have one I'm not freaking joking. <laughs> Because it, it, I mean, you talk about being soft. I like to think I'm a hard dude, but if I don't have that two inch thick cushion underneath my butt cheeks when I'm when I'm going 14 miles on the water, and you know, I I, I turn into a sour fella. So, oh, quick, so, oh, dude, cushion man, that that that's the most unbelievable thing that we've been missing out on for so long. I I love I love the the critics, you know, the because everyone I've ever known has one now because they'll they, they may not pay for their first one you know win it in the tournament win it in a raffle yeah. you'll end up with one i promise you and then uh, most of us we end up with two and Absolutely. then he just yeah. he's got his little lumbar support thing he just released i might get that too like oh i i'm going to get that absolutely <laughs> as soon as i get my hands on one i'm gonna get me a custom logoed marshall fishing one that i can put on my back and and get me a lumbar support because i mean if I mean, I, I, for for all I know, he, he needs to come out with with ones that go on my Hobie pedals, make my feet feel better. I, I'd buy yeah, those too. Airfooters. If, if, oh yes, if, yeah. If he, if I mean, he, I'd let him like rig the deck of my boat with that stuff. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Oh, it'd be like walking on a memory foam mattress. Be fabulous. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, who else you got, that's man? Pretty much it, man. I, you know, I, I make a lot of stuff myself, and and. And have guys that make stuff for me, but that's 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 the important ones. Uh, as, as far as people, um, my mom, my dad, my girlfriend Morgan, um, my my boys uh, Thomason, Road Dogs, Pro Neighbor, uh, Lambert. I'm, I'm gonna do some fishing with Lambert this weekend, so we're gonna try to get a little content out there and kind of ride this momentum while while I'm still while I'm still on that wave. So, oh uh, yeah, man. All the guys at work that that give me crap for for when I'm gone and and holler at me, build dance across our lot. You know that's uh um that's real important. And and every you know I I don't know how many people watch this, of course, but you know why why I'm thinking of it. There's there was nine million people. It seemed like that shot me a message. And you know a lot of times in tournaments, some people stay off their phone. I, I, when I'm moving, you know, mile here, mile there, you know, while I'm looking and and eating and stuff like that. 
I, I read those messages um, and, you know, when, when they're, you know, giving me props and yeah, nobody knows how important and how much I appreciate those things. And, and I, I don't appreciate everybody enough. That's, that's always there for me. Um, and in our community as a whole, you know, I, I really do appreciate that. Heck yeah, man. You're, you're just a different dude, man. You're a good guy. And I think you'll go like you talked about it before, you know, not being one of the names that people, you know, would, would think about, man, I, I think you're on your way. And I do think dude, like you said, you and Lambert get out there, get some content, ride this momentum as long as you can. I'm sure it's only a matter of time before a bunch more of these companies are going to be reaching out to you and it's just going to help for, you know, push that envelope even further for you. So, but, uh, thanks for coming on again, man, for part two. Uh, I'm super glad to have you. These are great conversations. Again, this, I got a lot of positive feedback from our first episode and um, I really wanted to hear about the, the actual tournament itself side of it. So appreciate you for coming on, man. And I'm sure, I'm sure we'll have you on for, I mean, hopefully for a win, but I'm sure we'll have you on. I, I always take notes of, you know, the people that make the best guests and can really carry a conversation. Uh, you know, like you, Adam Reiser, Russ is really good. Cody Milton, uh, a lot of those guys. Uh, I've got a lot of topics coming up that for the off season, I'll probably be reaching out to you guys to, you know, give, give your input on it. So uh, stay tuned folks. We'll have him back, but man, I appreciate it. And I'll holler at you next time. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, uh, real quick, everybody, while we still got you, I got one tournament that happened uh, over the weekend. Uh, the Moyak guys were at Lake of the Ozarks with 25 anglers. Uh, five fish limit, first place, Justin Kuhn with 89.5. Second place, Mason Brock with 82. Third place, John Denton with 81 and three quarters. Well, we thank you all for tuning in this week. Check us back next week. We'll have another great guest and another great show. Couldn't tell you what it's going to be yet, but we'll get there soon. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.